I can hear it when you come back. Yeah, but I've done it a couple of times now and you didn't know. Ha ha. Ah. How do you know? Because you don't know. You'll know. You'll know. You'll be listening to this back. Hello, future Andrew. <laughs> don't talk to me in the future. Don't talk to future me. So, how was it without me? It was a breath of fresh air. It was great. Oh, that's not <laughs> what I wanted to hear. Was... I mean, I think Jules, J- Jules, do you need a breath of fresh air? I, I missed you, Jordan. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm the bad cop, am I? I don't know, but uh, neither of you sounded that sincere. <laughs> I, um, it was, it was like, it would have been good to have you there for that episode, but obviously, um, travel prevented yeah, that. Force, force a crowd, right? Like, I, I, I listened to it back, and it's actually nice to listen to a podcast of ours all the way through without knowing what was gonna be, like, said or was in the content. It was also nice to, uh, to hear, like, an American accent on the podcast. <laughs> A very like, unique American accent, like the, and he's got a great microphone, doesn't he? His the voice quality of his mic is just great. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying he sounds no. sounds like a pro. Yeah, I'm not saying that ours isn't. I mean, mine's probably terrible, but I was listening to that and thinking this guy could sing and release a record. <laughs> when I was editing his audio, uh, Brad's audio, we're talking about Brad Dowdy, who we had on the previous episode, episode twenty eight. Um, when I was editing his audio, I was like, "This is some really clean audio." Like compared to, uh, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, like, did you get his mic well? model number and his boom arm setup and his <laughs> amplifier uh, model? I, I think I've seen that he uses a Tascam two by two USB interface, which I also use. Um, I'm not exactly sure what microphone he uses, but it's probably not hard to find out. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a good episode. Um, we have some follow-up to do from the uh, previous episode before that, so episode 27, uh, which is where the we kind of did a roundup episode where we spoke about all the things that have happened following some Apple events that we missed, some, uh, some Surface events as well. Um, so we'll get right into that. Uh, to start with, the iPad external display feature. Um, I didn't know this at the time, uh, personally, but the iPad's external displays feature is actually more than just mirroring. It's actually pretty impressive to the point where you can render entirely custom UIs onto the external display. So I was I was thinking I think we might have mentioned about how well you know if you're using an external display you're going to have to be looking down anyway to control the thing to press buttons mm. etc. Um, but it's actually completely different. It's not you know mirroring, so you don't have to really look down because. So you, so you could display video exactly, on it and yeah. have, the, have the video kind of controls on the iPad. So basically, they've turned the iPad into a really big touch bar. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. And actually, I'll put a I'll put a link to a tweet by John Sundell 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 um, in in the show notes, and that is where he has written a demo of a Markdown editor, and the Markdown editor is actually on the iPad, and the entire like HTML preview of it is on the display in front of him. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, so like to that feature, I was like, oh yeah, no, that's cool having a sound display, and I was kind of thinking uh, thinking of it as if you know, uh, in the future, we'll be able to you know, dock your iPad into a display and use it like you would with a Mac, right, with a display. Um, but it's actually a bit different. It's a bit more than that in the sense that, um, you know, you can do that that entirely custom UI up there. 
which is really interesting. I I actually used um I have a twenty eight inch four K display in a couple of offices and uh I plugged my iPad into one of them and realized that it was just really, really big. I felt really like privacy conscious because it yeah. just blew that thing up massively. And I was like, this text is huge and everybody can just read this stuff. And I didn't like that. What are you writing? What are you writing, Andrew? What am I writing? Yeah, that you oh. want people to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I was, on, like, mm-hmm. I was on like Teams and like my emails and that stuff. I don't want people to see that. Dirty um, emails. Dirty, <laughs> dirty emails. <laughs> just to clear this up, I do not have dirty emails. Um, right. Uh, next up, the previous MacBook Air we mentioned was 999. It's actually 949. I don't know if that's changed um, following the new... MacBook Air release, but again, it's still under a thousand just um, pounds, which is that price point we were speaking about. And also, we mentioned that the MacBook Air CPU was five watts. It's actually seven watts, so it's not um, it's not it's not five watt CPU. But I think the point we made in that episode about how it's closer to the MacBook Adorable, the MacBook One, um, that rather than the previous MacBook Air, that is that still stands at that point. Okay, so. Uh, another point, the previous iPad Pros also had the camera bump. Um, I think we mentioned that they added one to the new iPads, um, but the previous model, the previous year of iPad Pros had the camera bump as well. Um, I don't know why I have this in the notes, but apparently we mentioned something about or didn't mention the fact that the iPhone can be charged from the iPad. And I don't know why I put this here, but um, that's a thing. Does that, does that like, the idea of charging your iPhone from your iPad, I know, Jules, you don't have an iPad, but for Jordan, for example, does that interest you? What, charging my phone from my iPad? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. It, I suppose this just underlies the fact that it's a computer, right? But you can't run iTunes on it, so you can't back up your iPhone, but you can charge it through it. Yeah, I think, though, it's going to be just like an... I would need a USB-C to lightning cable, would Which I not? Which, I have that one. I have that I know, cable. but I just wouldn't... I wouldn't buy that for the sake of... I've got a USB, and I've got loads of battery packs. I just... I also find it really annoying when my iPad's dead, and I don't realise. But I think, I think the point is that, because the iPad typically lasts longer than the phone, if, in certain situations when you were travelling, for example, maybe you didn't take your battery pack and you took the iPad and your phone and then charge the phone from the iPad. Mm, it doesn't really interest me. I'm sure it would be useful. I'm sure I would probably use it once a year. I haven't used it yet, by the way. I so I've got these two devices and I don't I don't use it. I don't need it. I don't think I would probably to be fair, I typically take a full battery pack with me when I travel and I never use it. It kind of just stays in my bag just in case. Um but mm. I've never needed it. Okay, so we've got some more follow-up from the previous episode 28 of Mavis Podcast, the one where we had um, Brad Dowdy on, from the, the, the true pen addict. Um, I noticed I said that word really weirdly at the start of that episode, addict. The true pen addict. Yeah, I said it like that, and it really annoyed me. Um, but the addict. Um, I have now tested both a Lamy Safari and a Twisby Eco, and I actually carried around a Twisby Eco for a couple of days. Um, I found that the, the Lamy Safari had a really thick uh, nib, even though it was supposed to be a fine nib, and the Twisby Eco was a little bit better um, with a fine nib, but still not great. 
I have haven't I didn't actually use it in my Hobonichi uh or field notes, but I did use it on some uh Hobonichi kind of t- uh, Tomori River paper, like separate notebooks. So not in my journal, but in those notebooks. Um Jules, do you have any comments on uh, like that episode? Any follow up from that episode? Anything that's changed? You were the one who had the Lamy Safari for me to test. Yeah, I did. That was I think that was a medium nib, wasn't it? Was the it safari, that particular Safari? I think I was. I think I have lost one of my nibs because it had the black nib in it. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Which is the one. So I've got a black Safari and I've got a white Safari. And I think I swapped the nibs over um, because I was using the black one with the finer nib. There is actually a lime green safari in my house right now, but it's not mine. But uh, that also has quite a thick kind of um, nib. I would be interested to see how an extra fine nib is on that, but I don't think I'll be buying one. I didn't really the extra like fine on the safari isn't isn't particularly fine anyway yeah that's that's kind of my thoughts considering the difference between like the twisby eco's fine compared to whatever the lamy safari's fine was um and i didn't i didn't like that the the fact that it has those grip flat lines you know the the kind of holding space uh, spaces that brad mentioned in the previous episode yeah on the grip section for where mm-hmm. you're to, to kind of guide your fingers into a certain position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I like that was that was my first um, fountain pen experiences, and I liked them. I did quite like it. The Twisby Eco was way nicer than the Lamy to me. So we have some more stationary stuff to talk about. Uh, some notebooking and journaling kind of related things. Uh, Jordan, you realized after kind of listening to the episode or whilst listening to that episode kind of in the in the that around that time of, of last week um that you have enjoyed using the digital life like the digital life kind of thing that you've been doing this year um i think i mentioned it i think i mentioned it a couple of weeks ago though i think i i think i'd mentioned it a couple of weeks ago before that i think it was just another kick up the bum to yeah 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 that's what to, i mean yeah yeah to to have a look at it i think the problem i've got with uh, the digital stuff is not as easy. Um, this also is not as natural in certain respects. Like I've saying, I've been saying like my Apple Pencil and OneNote. I've I've spent what pretty much a whole year now doing digital only. So digital calendar, digital to do list, digital notebook, and oh my god, I'm so messy with it. <laughs> like I don't do enough. Like at least with a notebook, the pages it's like you open up a notebook and it's page after page after page. So it kind of self-organizes into that kind of pages with, with one note, it's easy to make a mess. And if you don't prune it and that's something I've not, and it's something that I'm going to do because I'm still going to use digital stuff. I'm still going to mm. use one. I'm still going to yeah. use digital ink, but I'm going to go hybrid next year. So I obviously historically I've used field notes, moleskin, um, the Tomoe river paper notebook that, um, is that is it a Hobonichi thing? Is it is it similar? Is it made by the same company that Hobonichi? I can't remember. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So I've 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 used them in the past, and I opened up my box uh, last week and pulled out a because I've still got fifteen brand new ones of those uh, Hobonichi notebooks. Fifteen. Yeah, I've still got fifteen. Um, Why do you have so many? Because I was like, these notebooks are so good. I I, I just <laughs> want one order, and I never want to run out of them. Right, I see. And so it's kind of like what you did with field notes, but 
mine's on a less more of a kind of uh generic level because they're all the same so i bought quite a lot so i've still got quite a few left on uh, open unopened packs which is great and uh, so i pulled one of them out and i've been using my uh jetstream prime in it but i yeah so when i was listening to that episode i was like oh you know i really want to use my jetstream or i really want to use my uh uh my Sharbo or whatever. And I don't carry, cause I remember when I was like, I'm going digital. I was like, I'm not carrying any notebooks, any pens around with me. The hesitate, you know, just because you, you make that decision, right? You're like, if I'm going digital, I'm committing to this. So I'm like yeah. on a train somewhere down South thinking, oh, I really wish I had a notebook right now. And it's like 200 miles away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that sucks. Um, and then when I got home, I realized that my pens and pencil case were in the office in my drawer in the office, which makes it even worse because I got home and was like, yes, it's a weekend. And I'm not going to the office to go get my pens and pencils right now. Anyway, I did. I think I'm pretty sure I did in the end go and get my Jetstream and my Charbos. Um, um, but I think I don't want to go back to what I was doing before, like when I was like half digital, half analog, and I just had lots of notebooks doing lots of different things. I kind of want one notebook for everything yeah Mm. where i can like dump here's the date here's some thoughts here's some diagrams here's some just general it's almost not actually like a journal as it were but i've got one notebook that's got everything in it um Mm -hmm. it's kind of the way i'm going with this but i didn't want a moleskin because it's quite big and also i think a field notes would just run out too quickly yeah you know and it's a bit the, the size isn't that nice for that kind of thing I don't get me wrong I love the field notes size but you want some more size if you're doing diagrams and stuff like you can do yeah. the field notes but if you know if you want that extra width for example mm. like it's helpful so I gave I have I had an um, uh, an MD notebook Midori uh, notebook the A6 version uh, what, it was like two years ago I think I bought it and I gave it to Jules uh, and it had a cover on it and I gave it to Jules because I never used it because I just I looked at it I was like this is such a lovely notebook and yeah, sometimes you, you 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 do the pen test in the back and that was yeah it. <laughs> and I was like this is such a lovely notebook I'm using stuff at the moment and I would want to give this notebook a real go and I never got chance so I never really wanted to just half use something that was that because it's such a beautiful it it reminds me of that Hobonichi that isn't the one with like that leathery crocodile skin cover. It's the, like yeah, the, the original. Little, it's the one I've got yeah, next year. Yeah, the it reminds me of that because it's like it's that same color. Yeah, and it's yeah, that same yeah. size. Maybe it's slightly thinner, only slightly. But I've always looked at that, and even the the big Hobonichi, and thought that is a really lovely size. However, I have yet to try using Hobonichi, um, and I don't think I will really want to right now. You probably don't want that day per page, no. right? You... Don't get me don't get me wrong. Like I love the idea of a day per page, right? I just feel like my day's so long and big that I would want to put tons and tons of stuff on a page. And I'm not sure. But just just to to, to finish up, I've bought a new MD notebook. I've started it yesterday, day before yesterday. Uh, I had a debate with myself whether I wanted to use pen or pencil in it. I decided that I would use both. Uh, so I'm currently, I started <laughs> I off with undecided. the first two lines. 
Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, I, I just think the Jetstream Prime uh, with the, you know, the, with the Jetstream ink in it would be nice, but I don't really want to tarnish it. Like with like, I don't want it to like, imp, you know, imprint on the neck. Sometimes like in the, in the moleskins, if you write with ballpoint pen in certain instances, it'll like go through to the page, but not like the, imp, it's like the, yeah, is it embosses the, the page? So like when you turn over, it's like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. So I didn't really want that. But then the paper is so thick. The MD paper is so thick that I don't think that would happen anyway. And that, and to yeah, be fair, it is the, quite thick, that paper, isn't it? Yeah. It's MD paper. So it's really nice. And I kind of realized that the jet stream isn't a standard ballpoint anyway. So you wouldn't really get that if you're decent enough with it. Like, you know, I'm not heavy handed with it. I just write normally. I don't press really hard. Um, Anyway, long story short, I was like, I wrote the first two lines of my Jetstream and then switched to my Kuratoga. <laughs> and that's all that's been in there right now. But I think, I think I'm going to try lots of different pens in it. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to use my Kuratoga a lot more. I haven't used that thing in properly, like as my daily driver, as you would call it, for about two years, three years until I, I, I basically, when I switched from Moleskin, uh, which is all I exclusively use pencil in that mm-hmm. to pen, uh, I haven't used it for a while. So, I am now back on my Kuratoga, but I'm probably going to... I would like to try this fountain pen in it that you've got. I'm looking forward to kind of doing this whole analog digital hybrid, uh, but I need to figure out what the system is going to be for my digital now because I've got so much stuff that is a mess in my OneNote, and I'm wondering if it's even worth cleaning it up. Well, I, I, I put things in archives. I do that all the time. I mean, my archive is full of multiple multiple years worth of stuff uh, if i if i look at something in my personal notebook on OneNote and i think i'm not paying attention to this or it doesn't matter i just drag it into the archive and, and kind of forget about it and i can always come back to it do you do that by section or page because i have an archive so this is the problem i usually got. do it by section i've got i've got like a hark business notebook which is my hark personal hark notebook for business and i've got my notebook which is my personal notebook which is they're all a mess and i have i have archives but i've got so many sections i'm like i just don't know so i tend to use the same the same um rule for both my business and my personal one which is that every month i create a new section named after that month so the current one is december because it's the december 1st today um and then in there i put any of my notes so if i I tend to have a page per week uh, and then other pages, you know, with screenshots, ink, things that I've done, you know, snippets, emails I'm writing. And I put them all in that December section. And then at the end of the month, in theory, I archive it. But the reality is that I tend to keep like the previous month or two in in my personal notebook and then and then archive, you know, a few of them at a time. Mm. It's, it's interesting because digitally, when it comes to organizing stuff, I've previously tried like in bare notes, my stuff is not organized necessarily by date. It's organized by like kind. I do actually put those into years now. So I have like, you know, hard stuff. And then I have, um, I don't know, I can't really see the list right now. But I organize it by year and then by generic type. I don't do it by like week or whatever. Whereas notebooks, physical notebooks that I use, they're all date and time-based like they're all you know linear time uh organizing there is no type organization there i've never really thought about that that um i don't have that same problem i don't really go back to many of my notebooks at the moment though 
Whereas I think digital notes, if I'm putting them digitally, I'm trying to find them. Like I know I'll want to find them in the future for a reason. If that makes sense. So I want to know what's like, oh, I know it'll be in this year, but this type of note. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But I also find that when it comes to doing type organization, because I'm not really thinking about the way that I'm organizing, uh, air quotes, organizing my notes in the, you know, physical paper, that's just all linear time. It's all taken care of for me. And because I'm not going back to it, I always end up just thinking about how organizing notes digitally has always been a mess. Like I don't, I've never felt like that problem has been resolved. And that's probably because of my system organizing notes is just really poor but i don't have a problem with that when it comes to physical notebooks because that problem isn't there for me yeah it's it's a different it's just like a different way of of uh of doing it and i wonder if you know more natural interactions coming to digital note taking may help with that kind of thing in the future i am literally just thinking about that right now i'm thinking about actually would a conversational UI against my notebook, like my one notebook, help me organize this stuff? Yeah. I've got, oh, I've got so you a, could ask where something is or ask yeah. about something. Or or it can do some stuff like message me and say, Hey, it's the start of the month. Do you want to create and do you want me to move some stuff around for you? Right? And and then you go, Yeah, move these, please. Mm. rather than you thinking about it. And and it might even say like, hey, I'm going to automatically do this if you don't tell me not to, right? And that way you can kind of leave it and go, yeah, fine, whatever. I am totally going to do something like that <laughs> as a little hack just for that thing. Because I was looking at this actually a couple of weeks ago. I was looking at the APIs for this. Yeah, I'm sorted. That's my weekend. <laughs> you get the APIs will let you do move around sections. Uh, the APIs are not the best thing in the world, but they will certainly let you create pages, and move sections. Exactly, exactly. So in so in short, John, you've you decided that you want to reintroduce notebooks into your life. You've got a Midori MD notebook and uh, using a Kritoka in it, and you're also use continuing to use OneNote, but you're working out how you're going to organize things in OneNote moving forward. Yeah, and I think we'll discuss my task manager changes later. If this episode, if not this episode, another one. Because yeah. I think that's a whole episode of like what, like getting things done as a methodology maybe we could do. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention actually was just that how using a Hobonichi journal like planner would not be ideal for you purely because the fact that there's going to be so many cases in that MD notebook where you're going to write the same date twice or, you know, you will use multiple pages for yeah, one, one day, day, right? I, you can't yeah. really do that in the Hobonichi. Yeah, that's probably not a bad thing if I was going for like, hey, I want to write some stuff down and it's got to count or I'm using it for specific things. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like my mind is an endless stream, which is why digital notes, like one note is like endless notes is great. Yeah. But then sometimes you end up repeating yourself. So I think maybe one day, maybe one day I will do this. Um, I was going to say, actually, that I did have a look at my old Moleskine Weekly Planner, you know, where it's like mm. a, a page of on, blank page on the right was lined. And then on the left, it was like five or seven days. I think it was like five full like width days and the, the weekend was like two small boxes. And I missed that, and I, I did use that 
and I managed to fit everything I wanted that was useful in there. But I don't have the time to have a calendar and a OneNote and a you know an MD notebook and yeah, a yeah, yeah. weekly planner. Like, I I there's enough tools there. So yeah, you've kind of covered that up pretty yeah. pretty well. Awesome, yeah. uh, Jules. You uh, how is your quest of finding out which notebook you're going? Have you decided? Has anything changed? Has anything changed following the previous episode we had with uh, Mister uh, Brad Dowdy? Yeah, um, I, I basically said in that episode that I was going to try, I was probably going to try using both. And that's the approach that I'm taking right now. So the the Hobonichi Weeks um, actually started last week because um, it starts in December. Yeah. So I've I've started using that. And then the um, the effect doesn't start until the 1st of January. So the, the, the Weeks is the one that's the, the taller one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like the look of it. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it it is um it has been interesting so far. So those two pages are open like Jordan mentioned then like the moleskin um uh, weekly notebook. Those those double page that double page spread is basically open for the entire week. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've noticed already is that if I make a note on that page, it's there f- for longer than if I make a pay a note on a page in my um my normal day per page hobonichi so i can write something at the top of the page mm-hmm. and see it all week yeah i like um, that um whereas i think things disappear quicker yeah, uh, yeah when you turn the page in the hobonichi mm-hmm. i agree i kind of so i've actually retired that awareness thing that i had now uh, previously i've retired that now um but i I think that would have helped a lot having, you know, the, being able to see things for an entire week, for example. I actually do something similar in OmniFocus right now where I have, um, you can add a tag basically to the forecast, like today view. And it's like, it will always show in every day until it's like completed uh, for that task. Um, so I kind of do things like that now for that. But I think that the the idea of being able to see things um for for more than one day is definitely a beneficial thing yeah well it's two it's it's sometimes it's two days isn't it because you don't really know what's going to be on the left and what's going to be on the right page with the hobonichi like it's never consistent you never know that monday's always on the left hand side or anything like that i think the other thing as well is that you may when it comes to doing tasks right you may have oh i need to do this task this week but you're not really bothered about what, yeah. which day it happens and being able to know that you have that locked down somewhere but it's time filler. If you find yourself with some time, oh, I can just quickly do this thing I need to get done this week. Yeah, and I think um, I think for me having that is going to be useful because I I tend to work in that kind of weekly rhythm anyway. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I start the week with planning and end it with reviews. And I do that in my OneNote anyway, and I was doing that in my, um, my day per page, Hobonichi. So one of the things that I like to do in my Moleskin was to be able to um, like draw boxes around around certain like days. Mm. So because obviously the days are split um, into rows on the left hand side, it's very easy to just kind of draw a box around a day and say, you know, this day I'm working from home or you know this day I'm traveling, and it makes it really kind of stand out on that page. Um, and the way that the Hobonichi weeks is split into three columns as well. So it's got a row per day 
but inside that there's actually three columns and it's kind of light. It's, you know how Hobonichi do this. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they use, they use light lines mm-hmm. so that if you don't want to use columns, you don't need to, but that worked out quite well for me with like, you know, a morning, a day and an evening mm-hmm. style focus. So I've got the days and then I've also got, you know, if there's something I need to, I want to make a note of in the morning, I've got that little quadrant and yeah, it's, it's a small amount of space. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's going to be good for me. I, I think I like it. I I'm really interested to see how you use the, is it the Avec that starts on the 1st of January? Yeah. So I'll probably end up using that in the same way that I use my Hobonichi now. Mm. Um, and I, when I started the year, um, it was very much like the same as I'd done previous years where, you know, I'd have a few, a few kind of tech, tick, tick, uh, check boxes that I would have every day and, yeah. and a few other kind of bits and pieces, but I would also, there would be some kind of narrative about the day and then maybe some notes down the left-hand side mm-hmm. as to things that happened during the day. But, um, towards the end of this book, I've used that less. Instead, just making notes on things in in the book, mm-hmm. um, like on those particular days. Um, so, you know, maybe something that I achieved that I'm really pleased about or something that I need to get done on a particular yeah. day. Um, those kinds of things. So I, I, I still have found use for it, but I think the, the Hobonichi Weeks is going to be more for, uh, you know, professional stuff, but, but on a personal level so so less you know oh i have this you know particular thing that i need to do for a customer or you know this particular meeting is happening but more an overall view of you know my professional focus you know professional excellence in general um so it's gonna be a mixture of kind of like stuff i'm doing for myself and stuff i'm doing for the business but in the world of you know software and technology yeah um and you know and just general kind of excellence trying to try to be good at what i do mm-hmm. um whereas i think the the weeks will probably be a little bit more personal sorry i mean the the avec will probably be a bit more personal yeah yeah so they're both kind of personal but um maybe the avec more kind of feels reflective on yeah yeah that kind of thing feels yeah i have one last question actually well, how are you carrying around the weeks? Because does it does it fit in your your um, arts and sciences case that you have? No, it doesn't. At the moment, I've just been carrying it around as it is. Yeah. Um, I think I would like to get a cover for it, but um, we know how the covers for the um, hmm. for the Hobonichis go. If you if you know, it's possible to have expensive tastes on those, and I quite like the the leather passport style one mm. uh, at the, for, for the moment, I'm just carrying it around as it is. And we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. For sure. If you'd like to find the show notes for today's episode, you can go to mavispodcast.com slash 29. You can also tweet us any questions you have uh, at Mavis podcast on Twitter, and we'll answer those in the show. I, I have made a couple of changes. I have been thinking about some things um, in terms of stationery and notebooking and journaling. I'm actually really looking forward to using my new uh, Hobonichi in 2019. It's the original, and I pre- said previously that I'm I, I use and currently have the Techo, the English, um, the English Techo. Uh, but I'm going to the original next, which is kind of the same color as the MD notebook that Jordan was talking about earlier. 
Um, it's interesting because that introduces some new like layout kind of features and different just general features of the paper or the um the the things that the paper has. Colors, colors is the main one. Yeah, yeah. So every, every month is a different color. It's also just things like that. They have the you know the optional checkboxes at the top, and they have like the faint lines that we just spoke about. Um, I'm really interested to using that. Like, interested in using that next year. I'm not gonna. I, I typically wait until the first of January um, every year because my current one will go all basically first of January to the end of December, um, and then I start on the first at uh, the first with that. Um, so I'm not like even though I could start using it now, it's just I'm. You know, can you start using it now on that one? When does it start? Uh, I think well, it's a couple of days before the first, oh, the first isn't it? Um, but I I just like that clean cut, that full year kind of thing. Um, I made some purchases. I um, I bought Twisby Eco with an extra fine nib, and uh, I didn't exactly tell you guys until I kind of it was like a day before I got it. Um, Jordan, I don't think you you saw. It until my, you saw my Instagram post, um, I got some. So I I apologize if I'm gonna butcher these names here, but I got some uh, Pilot Iroshizuku ink, which is a gorgeous ink uh, with some beautiful colors. I got the here we go, Murasaki Shikibu Shikibu, um, which is the 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 purple, basically one of the purples. Um, and I've actually asked one of my parents to get me the uh Amaero, which is kind of a light blue for Christmas. Um and I immediately uh, immediately fell in love with this thing when I got it. In fact when I was using one of my friends um Twisby Ecos that was with some um in fact I've got it right here. It was with some Parker like black kind of black blue ink. Um what, I thought it was pilot ink, no? No, no Parker ink. Parker in the previous one um that my friend uh has and that was nice. Like I really liked the pen, the ink. Like it was kind of just like using normal ink, but it was nice to kind of try the the pen itself. Um, that has a fine nib, not an extra fine nib. So it was still like it was. It was like I said earlier, it was finer than the Lamy Safari, but it was still not to my liking in terms of how fine it should be. Um, so I decided I was basically buying some some refills for our Charvos and uh, our Jetstreams, and I was like, screw it. Um, it's Black Friday, which made no difference at all, by the way, um, <laughs> in terms of buying this pen. Um, but I was like, I'm going to buy something, and I'm going to make it the Twisby Co. with this Pilot um, Arushizuku ink. And it's beautiful. I've been using it for... Uh, since I think I got it on Tuesday... And I got to really use it properly, like properly on Wednesday, Thursday, etc. I've been using it in my Hobonichi. Um, I posted an Instagram picture that I'll put in the show notes of basically me using it in the Hobonichi kind of um, notebooks that we mentioned earlier, um, which is Tomoe River paper, before using it in my actual Hobonichi Techo. Um, And yeah, I really, I really, really like it. I think it's going to be my pen for... Uh, writing in my Hobonichi. Um, I still I still love using and, and still use my jet streams uh, because I have field notes for my you know my working notebooks. Um, and that's kind of how I'm thinking about those like that they are just working notebooks really. 
so so like it's not like you know I'm going full fountain pen, but uh, last episode changed me. Yeah, it changed yeah, me it a did, lot. didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. Like, I think we we spoke quickly about this, Jules, and you know we said in that episode as well that the 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 jet streams, right? Like the prime, solid, reliable, um, and trustworthy. But they they're they're old news in a way, you know. They've been around for a while. They don't tend to change as lack of innovation, um, which we mentioned in the previous episode. Um, but the fountain pens, right? There's so much to that world. Like there's so many customizations, mm-hmm. and there's so many like you can literally swap out parts and you know do all like oh, I want to use some new ink and use a new color. And I'm really looking forward to using the Hobonichi original uh, next year with, like, I, I reckon I'll probably get another color as well, by the way. Um, but will you get another pen? Because, uh, yeah, you know, if you've got two inks that you like, it's nice to have two pens. It is. I'm just saying. It is. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally going to ask the same question because... I have used, I know it, uh, when I, yeah, I've used fountain pens quite a lot after when I left school, because school, it was all about fountain pen for me. Um, but when I left school, I, I still have quite a few fountain pens at my parents. So mm-hmm. mainly Parker, different types of Parker fountain pens, uh, like the, you know, the, the typical was like the Jota or whatever, if yeah. I remember correctly. Uh, but then I've got this like lovely silver uh, and like gold rimmed metal heavy fountain pen that was made by Parker. But what I found was I would like, I was only allowed to use like blue ink at school. And then one day my uh, RS teacher, religious studies teacher who always wrote in fountain pen, he had some red ink and I like some red ink. I was like, oh, I really want to use this. So he gave me a little bottle of his red ink that he used and I used it in my fountain pen and I, I got told off to no end for <laughs> yeah. using it because obviously the teachers would mark in red yeah <laughs> so that was fine but the point being is when I would switch the ink the shade or the color would it was very difficult to get the consistent color because what I would do is if sometimes I would go straight in and then just play around with the pen and like until it bled all the way out or the ink would mm-hmm. bleed out and it would go to the natural color. Then I would wash the fountain pen with a bit of water, which I'm not sure if is that what you meant to do, but then it would be written. If you didn't let it dry, then you would get like a really, yeah. uh, it would be really light and like the color would be like watery. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is you should get two. So my thoughts on this are I'm still as you just based on what you mentioned, I'm still to learn the specifics of um, fountain pen maintenance and cleaning. Um, that time will come, I'm sure of it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like washing out a fountain pen with warm water in a with a running tap is probably not the way of doing it. But <laughs> we'll, we'll but, find out. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you guys know. Um, but at the same time, I'm I don't think I'm going to go and buy another Twisby Eco. But I am open to having another fountain pen. The only thing, like, not right now, but, like, in the future for sure. Um, like, if something comes along and I'm like, that looks hot and I want it. Like, in fact, the um, Kaveco AL Sport, like, Night Edition or the Black Edition, where it's just all black, was just, oh, that's really, really nice. It's quite short, so I'm not sure how I feel about that. But the that is a very, very nice pen. It's also quite thick um, compared to this. But... I like that was like oh you know I'd really love to get one of those. Um so like I'm completely open to it. I don't I don't, it's not going to be right now. 
Um, but if something comes along, I'll definitely do that. Yeah. Last, my last nostalgic uh, anecdote. Yeah. Addition to that story was when he gave me that bottle of ink. I had a fountain pen that did not take like bottled ink. Yeah, cartridges. It took cartridge. Yeah. So you had that plunger thing, right? Piston. Which I'm pretty yeah, that I think you meant to fill up fountain pens that don't take ink. I'm not sure. But what I did was I would suck some up and then put that thing directly into the fountain pen, and I'm not sure if that was the way of doing it. There are there are like uh, fountain pen converters for cartridges yeah. to become yeah. piston ones yeah. if I'm correct, if that's right, Jules. Yeah, but at the same time, like I totally refilled fountain pen um cartridges when i was a kid too i didn't think about doing that oh why would have been that would have been a good what i did was i took the plunger yeah sucked some up and then stuck it in the fountain pen oh (laughs) Uh, and and uh, it worked until i had a massive leak (laughs) yeah Yeah. so 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 i i I did successfully change the ink i can't remember why i can't remember what my agenda was but i mean i played a lot with fountain pens when i was a kid in school i always used to have you know ink on my hands and stuff uh, when I was playing with them. But um, yeah, I definitely did uh, change the ink and I used basically like a syringe to do it. Mm, that would have been a good it, idea. It did work. It did work. But if I remember correctly, all of my attempts to do stuff like that ended up being messy. You know what I think it was? I might be wrong, but I think it was something like it was a... Um, it wasn't so much about the fact that I wanted a special ink. I think it was just because... The, the cartridges were the wrong size. I bought some. I bought a load of cartridges from Smiths or something. I can't remember why. Yeah, I had I, I had this problem at one point. So you had like Parker cartridges, which were the standard when I was at school. And then there were these other types of cartridges, which were slightly thicker so that they wouldn't fit in the Parker pen. Was it the Lamy ones? They don't fit in the Parkers? Am I? Oh, I don't. I don't remember. I, I don't know, but I. It was. It annoyed me to no end because I would want to stick the same ink in both pens, and I, I did have quite a few fountain pens when I was at school because I was obsessed with them. I was obsessed with finding the perfect fountain pen that would allow me to write neatly, and always getting bored of the fountain pens. It started with the, uh, you know, Biro uh, did their like handwriting fountain pens for kids. Yeah, I, that's where I it started. That one. The red, the red ones. And then it moved to like Lamy's and uh, Parker's. And then uh, that's kind of where it started getting to the point where, okay, if I want something a bit more expensive and I was like 12, my parents probably wouldn't buy me a 30 pound fountain pen, 50 pound fountain pen. So it kind of stopped there. The uh, the thing that made me laugh actually, because I just listened back to episode 28 of um, the Mavis podcast where I was like, trying to get you Jules to buy a fountain pen I was like this sounds like the thing you need to do Jules and oh that would be really nice <laughs> that ink sounds great Jules you should buy this pen like it's essentially what I was doing I ended up buying it myself and just you didn't I don't think you've uh ordered one have you I have not I you know I like I said um before I it's it's not because I don't like them mm. it's just that I'm I'm saving the whole fountain pen rabbit hole for another time I would love to have fountain pens, but I don't think I would want to carry them around. Um, or at least when I have carried them around and I've had leaks, because obviously at school, like, you know, I carried fountain pens around all <laughs> the time. I think that was your fault, though. That was totally... No, that, that it wasn't exclusively <laughs> because of that piston thing. <laughs> like, it was, it was, it was just 
if you if if you carry them, I think, and again, it must be quality of handle. But if you if you don't put the the cartridges in right, or you know, you leave them in a certain position for a certain period of time, like it, things can go wrong. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have I have strong memories of leaking fountain pens when I was a kid. The the uh, the two Lamy Safaris I have, I have had absolutely no problems whatsoever. They've been absolutely lovely to use. I use the same ink in both of them, the black uh, black cartridge ink. Um, but but I have very strong memories of fountain pens being messy when I was a kid. So the the previous the, the episode that came out this week, uh, like the day after I got my pen of the Pen Addict uh, episode three hundred and thirty six, um, they were talking about fountain pen horror stories, and I was like, God damn it, this is not like like I understand that you know I've taken the sponge and I'm like I I didn't have a problem yet. My first refill was clean, like there was no problems there. It was fine. Like I I didn't knock the bottle over. It was all fine. But the first episode, I was literally like the next day listening to that episode on my walk uh, in the morning. And it was just like, these are all the things that can go wrong with a fountain pen. And I was like, no, this is, this is not setting. It's not, uh, you know, like it's like the confidence is, is low at the moment, right? Like you are literally telling me what's going to go wrong. And like, I, you know, these, I know these things, but you want to believe it's not going to be you. You want to, and this is why, this is why I want a desk at home with a set of fountain pens on that I can choose from and a, you know, a notebook or some paper that's always sat there on my desk. Maybe even one of those pano books. I don't know. Mm, we need to and just you, Yeah. And just, and just that's, you know, if I want to do some fountain pen writing, then I'll, I'll do that there. And, you know, it might be in a notebook that I use every day, but I'm, I'm just going to do it there. And that way there is zero chance of, for some reason, a pressure difference on a plane making my fountain pen explode and all the ink going all over my lovely notebook. I might got to imagine the horror story of you ruining a Hobonichi, for instance. If uh-huh. You know, like, know. it's these things that you just, I just, you just don't want to deal... Yeah, like, we don't want that. And I wouldn't want to risk it. So I I was definitely nervous about that when I was first taking around my, th- my friends uh, to his B-Go. Um, I think the screw top helps with that because... Um, it kind of seals up that entire unit at the top. I, I'm. That's what I was going to say. Like, I'm I think not because it's not. Yeah, ink I don't want to test it, based. right? But if it leaked, I'm kind of hoping it would all stay in that top bit, which is a cleaning problem. But that's better than it leaking everywhere else. Um, I would probably be nervous about taking it around on a plane, like you just said. Um, the other, last thing to mention about actually this is that. Um, I was like, oh, you know what? So I take around my CD6 case, and it's got my Hobonichi and the field notes that I'm currently using in it. Um, I also have some index cards, for example, and a couple of clips, etc. Um, and then it's got two pen slots, and I typically put my Prime in one and the Sharbo in the other. And I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to get rid of get rid of one of these um, to fit this fountain pen in because I'm using it in, like as my main pen for the Hobonichi now, and. Uh, I managed to fit all three in because the second pen like holding area is bigger, so both of the jet streams can fit in there. Um, I was going to say you don't want to you don't want to have your your fountain pen touching another fountain pen or <laughs> touching another pen. So right Goodness now me. it's not a problem. Where if I get if I get another one, then like another fountain pen, and I want to take that with me, problem. Um, yeah, but that's a fu- that's a future Andrew problem. And uh, right now I'm able to take around two jet streams. So I've got my Prime, my Sharbo. Sorry, I say jet streams. My Jetstream Prime, my Sharbo X with a Jetstream uh, D1 in it, and uh, my Twisby Eco with the Pilot uh, Iroshizuku ink, 
and it's all safe and sound and it's lovely. Hmm. So my last question on this fountain tent pen topic would be, uh, when I listened to Brad on Mavis on the last episode, uh, he said he bought a fountain pen called a vanishing nib, was it? Vanishing point. Vanishing point. So that's the one. What is that? Uh. <laughs> I uh, so I got the eleven inch iPad um, not last Tuesday but the Tuesday before and I think I had to go away or maybe it was the week before I can't exactly remember um, but I got it I got it on launch day basically uh, the eleven inch iPad Pro the 2018 one um, I got the Folio keyboard case and the new second generation Apple Pencil um, I think I think we recorded an episode and I said I'd ordered it and it was arriving. Um, and basically I have a couple of thoughts about that. Um, we're obviously a bit late to the original kind of, um, device thoughts. And there's a bunch of episodes of podcasts that you've probably heard me mention before that cover all the basics with specs and general reviews and stuff. I wanted to speak about how I'm using this device, anything that's kind of, uh, crossed my mind that I've wrote up some notes about. Um, and the fact that how I've set it up is kind of interesting to me at least um so to get started i when i I got this device and i was like oh you know this is a new device i want to kind of rethink how i'm using the ipad again um i have the original 13 inch ipad pro um and kind of did i've done this a couple of times where i've kind of rethought how i'm using that device in fact uh, a couple of episodes ago i said in fact it was quite a while ago now I said that I was um, switching a lot of my work to be focused around iOS in terms of, uh, you know, OmniFocus and task management, etc. Um, and re- and I actually did that and I followed that. Um, I ended up using my phone quite a lot because the device wasn't, the 13-inch the, the wasn't exactly, um, I didn't have the keyboard, for example, so it wasn't the best thing to use. I would use it with an external keyboard at a desk, but when I was out, it wasn't that great. Um so this device, I, I I said, you know, when Jordan when Jordan got his eleven inch, uh, sorry, his ten point five inch iPad Pro, I was like, this is a great size for doing this kind of stuff that I want to do, but I'm going to wait until the next model comes out. Um, I agree, by the way, on that size. Yeah, definitely, it's yeah. a good size. So I I did get this when it came out uh, because I was ready for that. I'd been saving for it, um, and I the interesting thing was that I. I basically had it for like a few days before actually doing anything with it. Like I signed in and booted it up and maybe downloaded a couple of apps, but it took me a few days, if not nearly like five days to actually get it fully set up because I, not because I was um, kind of thinking about stuff too much or, you know, like doing, I was basically doing other stuff. I was working, I was had other things to get done. So it was kind of like a, you know, it was like when I have time, I will st- I will start thinking about how I'm setting this up, and also start setting it up and logging into apps, and then change some things uh, things around. So I've made some interesting changes. Where, uh, like I said earlier, the awareness part of my OmniFocus, I bend that off. I'm now using the default inbox. I said previously that I'd kind of created a custom inbox. Um, so I've rejigged the way I use OmniFocus. I'm using a a new week based system. So essentially tasks go into a project of the week um and i still have my inbox for a separate thing because to me they're two separate things of tasks i need to do and then that i've like scheduled for 
versus what my inbox is. Um, so I, uh, I've kind of changed the way I use OmniFocus, uh, in a nice way. I've got some new shortcuts that allow me to do kind of quick text entry to, uh, OmniFocus in the new way. I had these before, but I've altered them to, to kind of go into the week or the next week, for example. Um, and I've actually done some interesting things or like what I think is interesting by using drafts to do a lot of this. Um, so previously I had a shortcut, for example, to, uh, to release, uh, to record, plan, record, uh, edit and release an episode of the Mavis podcast. And that's a huge task paper document. Um, and essentially that would go into one task that had a bunch of subtasks that is now, for example, a project. And I use drafts to manage that, um, and inject a bunch of information when I run that draft to, uh, to go into OmniFocus and that creates a project with the episode number and a bunch of due dates, for example. Um, have, so we, have we talked about drafts before? No, I don't think we have. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I kind of get drafts. I'm not a super drafts user. Um, I just downloaded it on my iPhone and I was like, wow, okay, cool. This is interesting. It's really, really useful for what I'm doing with it in terms of OmniFocus. Like I have, so I have a custom keyboard in Omni, uh, in drafts now for task paper and OmniFocus kind of things. And I have some actions that will send it to either the week that I'm currently in or send it to the system project that I have is a well, system folder or send it to OmniFocus in general. And it'll ask me, you know, if it wants to be a new project or a new, uh, go into a folder or whatever. So there's a lot of interesting things I can do with that. Um, I also have been putting a lot of like generic task paper lists in there. For example, doing a clothes wash is something that has like four tasks for me. Um, so I can run a draft now that is, I want to do a clothes washing run and it will ask me, when do I want it done by? And it will then sort out the rest of the dates, do some, you know, date manipulation to say, you know, all right, well, if you want it done by here, then you need to do it. You need to start doing this task on the day before. Um, so I have things that that kind of set up. Um, so, I mean, maybe, maybe it'd be good to talk about a lot of the way I use OmniFocus, um, and drafts and stuff when we have the episode where Jordan is looking at talking about task management, um, because there's a lot of stuff here that if you don't understand OmniFocus and drafts, I probably, it's probably just sounds like I'm talking kind of crap right now. Um, but Moving on from that, so I, I basically spent some time changing the way I use OmniFocus, and, and that included drafts. Um, I also um, previously I put everything in the dock in on the 13-inch iPad, so all the apps that I, I in fact, my entire home screen apart from the dock was empty, um, and that is primarily because I find it much easier to use things like split screen when I can just pull up the dock and grab another app from there and then put it into the app that I'm using or just, you know, pull it up and switch apps, for example, um, with the, the iOS split screen feature. I essentially have two folders. One is Apple stuff. One is utility, like utility apps ones that if they're not on the main dock, um, not in the main dock, then they go in the utility folder because I can still get access to them if I need them. Um, what I'm doing now, though, is I'm filling my home screen full with shortcuts. So I have a bunch of shortcuts that I can run without any input. Uh, without, For example, there's a bunch of shortcuts that I run from the share sheet where I'm passing data to it, like an image, a set of images, some text, a URL, and it does something with that, with that information. Um, 
There are also shortcuts that I have that don't require that input that will either ask me for input if it needs it or just simply don't require any input and we'll just run. And they're the ones that I can put on my home screen. And do you do you put them on your home screen just with the shortcuts app? Yes. Does it, yeah, does it do that? Yeah. It I've does. never done that. So uh, are you familiar with how you can put websites on the home screen in iOS? Yeah. Yeah, so it uses that same technology of oh. it basically... Uh, basically what it does is, and this is actually interesting, I'll find the connected episode where they spoke about this, but what it does is it puts a website on the home screen, um, and when you boot that up, it loads the splash screen, and that actually clicks a link using JavaScript to then boot the shortcut. And then that takes, because you know you can use the callback URL feature in, in iOS, where it's like the app name, colon, slash, slash, and then an action. Um, you can do that. So that's essentially what it's doing. It boots up a, a web page while it's in the splash screen, clicks an invisible link, um, and then that opens the shortcut. Uh, but it, you don't see any weird flashes. You don't see, you know, Safari booting up. It it seems like a very kind of um, cohesive, kind of normal experience. It's quite nice. So uh, I have a bunch of these shortcuts now on my home screen, which is different to how I did before. I saw I saw you with them, um, like basically on the second screen. You've got a load of shortcuts. It seems like a good way of doing it. Well, it's on the main screen because the the first screen is the. Sorry, I keep doing that. Yeah, yeah it's like the, the today the... view or whatever they call it. You know, the notification center stuff uh, with the widgets, and it's interesting. Like, so I have a lot of like task management stuff there. So stuff to do, quick entry into OmniFocus, or um, the interesting things are the ones like, oh, uh, set up a Mavis episode with this, you know, and then it asks me what episode number it is and when I want it done by when it's been released and it works out all the rest. And that is actually with the draft stuff that I just mentioned. Um, but it's a shortcut because what it does is it opens the draft and runs it and then fills in the information that I passed it. Um, I have a bunch of stuff to do with... Um, we've spoken actually quite a bit on this ep- on the Mavis podcast about um, how we handle links, how we handle, you know, like... We've spoken about how Pocket is great, but it's just not... Like, the integration Pocket has is great, but it's just not innovative enough. Like, it's just not doing anything. And I just end up... It just ends up being, like, a dumpster. Um, I used to put a load of links in OmniFocus, and now that's all in drafts. And I have shortcuts to manage adding stuff without having to go in. For example, now I can pass a... Um, I can say, all right, add a link. It's a shortcut that I have. That's add a link to the you know links um, list, right? And I pass it a bunch of lists, uh, links. It'll go and get the page titles and then fill in uh, the drafts. And then I also have some uh, shortcuts to get so many out and say, oh, you know, show me a random link um, from that document. And it'll kind of filter out any that have been seen before done by, it's just simple markdown check, uh, checkboxes. So a couple of things like that, more kind of personal uh, ones I have um, or, um, you know, like general system ones I won't mention right now. We'll save those. Um, but I've kind of been in really enjoying using this device with OmniFocus, with uh, the shortcuts, with this this whole new draft setup that I've got. So that's really good. Um, what I did want to talk about with this device is that... Um, I had made a couple of notes when I was in a meeting um, before about how I was feeling about the, the 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 pencil and the folio case. So the folio, 
uh, I was in a meeting actually, and I was trying to draw some notes with the folio case on, and I found it really, really frustrating to try. Do you mean on, on as in it was like on display or flat, like all the way folded over? It was, it was as if I was typing on the keyboard. It was up, it was set up, it was, you know, um, I was basically in one note typing these notes with the keyboard folio case. And then you went to draw on the screen? Yes. And what I wrote about that was that it was extremely difficult to be accurate. And I know this is like, this is a general thing, I I think. Um, but my, my hands started shaking because holding the pencil in that direction, trying to write, like it was just completely inaccurate. Yeah. And that led me to think about how there is a regression here with the folio, uh, the, the keyboard cases that they used to offer. So with the previous keyboard smart covers, you were able to do a few things. You were able to completely hide the keyboard and have the device uh, propped up as if it was um, just a smart cover. So, you know, practically 90 degrees upwards, but not. um, Perfect for the kitchen or whatever. Exactly. I do a lot of that when I'm, for example, cooking. Um, Or you were able, and you don't want the keyboard to be out then, right? Or right. you were able to lay it down as if it was, you know, like you were drawing on it. It was slightly raised, and you were relying on that the, that um, that little triangle that it creates to hold it up a little bit, so you could draw on it. And you were able to kind of lean over it and be really stable and nice with it. You can't do either of those things anymore with this this smartboard keyboard folio. And yes, you can buy a smart. Um, so you can you can buy a folio cover, but that is eighty five pounds, and it doesn't have the keyboard, and then you would have to change over, and it's it's a bit of annoying that it's a bit of a regression there with the fact that I I really like I so I did have the original smart keyboard cover, but it's more just the fact that and I actually got rid of it. I, um, I just said what I should have said there, um, but I had the 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 smart cover after that for the 13 inch iPad and it was just really nice having those two options and I was using an external keyboard with it so I I was using it like sometimes propped up with a keyboard and then sometimes I would turn it around and lay it down and draw on it and then I would prop it back up and you just don't have those options at all now with the smart keyboard folio and that just Which feels a like shame. a really yeah. annoying regression yeah, because like you, you, you see me with the Surface Go, and one of the reasons why I wanted that one in particular was the fact that it is like a traditional Surface rather than yeah. a Surface Book, which is something else. Um, yeah, trying to use the pen on the Surface Book when it's in laptop mode, same kind of deal, right? You don't, it's not that great. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like writing on a very small whiteboard badly. Yeah, it's because uh, just... you're you're holding the pen in a different way. Um, but, but, but with something like the surface go, you can just have it at any of those angles and move the device around really easily because I know, uh, with the, with the kit cover for the surface go, it's a little bit different, but Mm -hmm. it's so easy to just remove. Yeah. Um, and I think yours with the folio, cause it goes all the way around, like wraps around now. It's a little bit more complicated to just take off. And even if you do take it off, it doesn't really get you any benefit because there's no like kickstand or anything like that. So yeah, well, this is just the thing. So so yes, okay. So it's not it's not like the the folio stays on really nicely, 
there are 102 magnets protecting that thing from staying, you know, to stay on. Yeah. Right. Um, it does really well. Like, I like the fact that it's, it's sturdy, like you can prop it up and it feels nice and solid. And the good thing is that when you try and take it off, when you show that intention to take it off, it doesn't fight with you. Great. That's how you want it to be. Problem is that because it does wrap around, I can't, something that you can do with the, the, the surface go, for example, is you can set it up in that laid down mode, then take the keyboard off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. Like you can, you could just pick up the tablet and like just walk off with just the tablet right. part and leave the keyboard behind as in one motion. If I want to just pull it off. Yeah, if I wanted to do that with this, if I had the other smartfolio, which it will allow me to do these two things that I that this one does not, um, I would one have to pay eighty five pounds, um, whereas I've already paid a lot of money for the keyboard cover, which was more expensive than the previous one and had those features, um, and I would then like have to okay, I want to switch cases, so pick it up, take this one off, right, wrap this one around the back, then get it in the front, and then put it in the position. Like, and then carrying then both carry cases on. with you all the time. Like, like, it just, exactly. It's, you would never be able to do that. That is just a, it's just a really nice, uh, really horrible regression in my mind. And yes, this device I'm using mostly at the desk, um, but it, the 13-inch iPad has come in, in handy. Like, it's still, I'm still using that device because when I'm cooking, right? When I'm, I was cooking the other day, and I wanted something to watch something on. I don't want a keyboard, you know, under the, the chopping board that I'm currently using, uh, you know, or in the way of restricting the space, like, or it getting, you know, juice on it from a vegetable I'm cutting. Like, you don't want these things, but you want to be able to use these devices to watch something on while you're cooking. And that 13-inch still lets me do that with the smart uh, cover, but I can't do that with the 11-inches keyboard cover so that was uh that was the one thing that i wrote quite a bit about that was just kind of annoying um i do have some more thoughts on the pencil and the folio in general a lot of people have said that the folio is is kind of completely flat and kind of boring the it is it it isn't like it only comes in that one color doesn't it yeah at the moment which is kind of strange i mean it's not it's not the most exciting thing it's not isn't bad I it's not bad. I'm in this constant battle in my life of wanting like the really nice looking kind of simple minimal professional kind of looking nice things, but I also understand that some people find that stuff. Like I I'm also in the mind that sometimes I want something a bit different or edgy and uh which sounds really bad, but I I I quite like the fact that the the keyboard uh, the, the front of it is kind of simple and minimalist. I think it kind of plays yeah. into the, the general feel of that device, having the reduced bezels and it looks just like a display. And then you've got the keyboard, the, uh, sorry, the, the pencil, which is just, you know, this white um, matte kind of thing on top. Like, I think it kind of plays all nicely together. Um, so I, I've noticed a lot of people saying they don't like it because it's really bland. Um the you got to kind of compare it against what its its competitors are, I guess. And with the surface, you've got a, a choice of colors. Yes. Um. So you know, burgundy or teal or whatever. I believe the latest Google one only comes in blue. So you got no choice there, anyway. I don't um, think they've ever I done think... the keyboard covers in colors, but they've definitely done the smart covers in different colors. Yeah, I I think that. 
anyone who's saying it's boring, like if they just put different color variations, it would probably answer that. Yeah. Uh, some other things. Um, the keyboard feels good. I, I can get quite a bit of typing on I, it. I done. quite like that keyboard. Yeah. I, I like it more than I thought I would. I, I do quite like it. Um, I've had fun writing on it. It feels interesting. Like it's obviously not a full size keyboard. The thing that I did mention, I've spoken to you about Jules as well, is that there is a lot of space between the keys. There is like, there is a hell of a lot of space. And I get that they want all the keys to be the same or these similar sizes. And, you know, it kind of is consistent with other keyboards. But at the same time, they could make these touch targets much bigger, still have space between them and feel good and probably look good. And I feel like even if they reduced the um, horizontal differences of uh, spacing between keys, they'd be able to get a a row of keys in there for things like brightness, uh, locking, um, you know. Yeah, it's a shame it doesn't have Media keys. uh, And they don't currently have that. And they never have. And that is another kind of discussion to have there. Um, But there is definitely space for it. With with the the way that the keyboard looks, I'd never really thought about it before, but um, I I reckon that at some point they'll they'll change the look, and that look will look incredibly dated, like having the gaps around the outside, yeah, and just the the general kind of shape of it. I I have a feeling that that's going to look like a dated design when they do an improvement on it, mm. because it's it is quite strange, isn't it? They it's like they're molded like they're shaped in a particular style whereas most other keyboards are just you know flat yeah uh, you know it, yeah exactly yeah they have uniform uniform space between them these days you know think of laptop keyboards and mm. it doesn't really look like a laptop keyboard it looks more like a typewriter keyboard yeah yeah i get that so it's so like these things are they haven't ruined this product for me. I really do like this device. I really do like this device. But I'm just thinking like, oh, you know, having media keys would be great. Having uh, the ability to maybe assign some custom keys on the top row or something, who knows, like that would be awesome as well. And there's space for that on this keyboard. But instead they made the keys short and the spaces in between them bigger. And, you know, like, that's fine. It looks pretty at the moment. Um, but there is definitely space to do things here. Um, in terms of the actual hardware, like it's solid, really, really nice. I don't care about the fact that people are saying it bends. I really don't care. Until mine bends, I really don't care. <laughs> well done, you bent a device. Like, fine. Um, it doesn't affect me right now. I will, yeah, if it does, then fine. I've got AppleCare for a reason. Um, yeah, I mean, that stuff, that stuff doesn't really, it doesn't really matter that much. But it is, it is worth pointing out that um, when the Surface first came out, they did turn it into a skateboard to show how strong it was. Yeah, yeah I, I but guess. That, but that original Surface was probably like three times the <laughs> thickness of the Surface Pro that we have today. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at the moment, I haven't had. Uh, I don't really have many more thoughts about it. That was kind of the the big things that were sticking out for me right now. The pencils feels great. I think we might have mentioned before that it um, has this really nice kind of matte feel to it. Um, Or at least I have mentioned to you guys that it has this really nice matte feel to it compared to the other shiny kind of solid plasticky cold one uh, in the the first generation. Um, 
not many apps at the moment I have used that have the ability to do the double tap thing. One of my PDF editors, I think, had it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but none of my main running apps that I use have the ability to do anything with the double tap things, which is sad. Um, but I'm sure it will come. Uh, so, yeah, like, I nothing really more to say on that at the moment but i'm enjoying it i'm looking forward to there's been a a, i know in the past i was speaking about how the fact that i'm getting this corner desk extension um that is still ongoing uh basically there was an order mix up and i should be receiving it this week if not next so i'm looking forward to finally getting that and having that ipad space um i will be uh recording this podcast with writing notes on the iPad instead of writing them in bare notes on my Mac. Um, and so there are all these kind of things in my mind um, that I'm looking forward to doing. I'm actually going to get the Elevation Lab draft table as well. Um, I'm getting that for Christmas from from one of my sisters. So that's really, really nice. Um, and that will kind of be nice to have at this desk. I don't know um, which device I will have on that mainly, but it's a... It's a good option to, you know, it's a good kind of, um, yeah, I'm going to have to take the, the 11 inch iPad out of this case and put it onto that thing. And then, then I'll be able to lay it down. But, um, until, until then, you know, I'm stuck without being able to lay down. I keep having, luckily, actually I have, because I have these, uh, large kind of gaming mouse mats when I do want to draw on it, I have to like fully take it out of the folio and then I lay it down on this thing to make sure it's like got a soft backing and it's not going to like scratch on any desks or anything. That's not something I worry about with my Surface. I think I'm in that you, mode right now. You've, where seen, you've seen how they look um, after a while. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. My my 13-inch iPad is, is very scratched up. It has stickers on the back and they've got lines through them. And, uh, you know, they're all scuffed up and stuff. But I think right now I'm still in that stage where I'm trying to keep it nice and pretty. Yeah, it's understandable. Thank you for listening to episode 29 of the Mavis Podcast. If you'd like to find the show notes for today's episode, you can go to mavispodcast.com slash 29. You can also find us on Twitter at Mavis Podcast. If you tweet us any questions, we're more than happy to answer those on the show. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Hathaway. Julian is at Julian K. And Jordan is at Jordan is on fire.